and welcome to episode 154 of Doctor Who Panel to Panel. This is Jeremy Bement, your host. Uh, I hope this episode finds you well and good in uh, the beginning of March. And um, there's not too much to this episode. I, uh, it's going to be a kind of a short one, but I hope you enjoy it nonetheless. In this episode, we are going to check out the news. Uh, there was a few tidbits of information that came out from Gallifrey One, which was just a couple weeks ago, so we will take a look at that. And then we will uh, dive into a couple of reviews. In our, we'll open the Pandorica and do a look at the most recent Doctor Who comic strip, which was Liberation of the Daleks, Part 5 from Doctor Who Magazine, number 588. And then we will go into the Matrix to take a look at a classic Doctor Who strip. And this time around, I am once again going back into the TV, uh, TV Century 21 Days and take a look at a classic Dalek strip from uh, the Daleks that uh, I'm working my way through little by little. We're going to take a look at the Pentaray Factor, which uh, took place back in 1965. So a nice classic strip there. And uh, that's pretty much it. Not too much uh, uh, other than that this uh, came this time around. But uh, I hope you enjoy this episode. I got a few things in the works that are uh, slowly making their way to fruition as far as upcoming episodes. So uh, I think you'll really enjoy what's coming up in the next uh, few months. So with this little bit of an intro out of the way, let's jump into the news. In Dr. Comic News for this episode of Panel to Panel, let's start out with new releases. Uh, this past week, on Thursday, the 2nd of March, Dr. Who Magazine issue number 588 was released. As a new issue, which we'll be covering the current part of the Liberation of the Daleks comic strip here shortly. And uh, by my calculations, that means that the next issue of Doctor Who Magazine, Doctor Who Magazine number 589, will be out at the end of the month on Thursday, March 30th. This is both uh, digital and over on the newsstands in the UK. So make sure you pick up Doctor Who Magazine. This, uh, the most recent issue, 588, is an excellent issue. It has a uh, wonderful retrospective on the Sarah Jane adventures, of which I've been diving back into recently. And uh, I forgot how good those episodes are and how good some of those uh, stories are. So make sure you check out the issue of Doctor Who magazine that just came out. Plus, Liberation of Daleks is uh, pretty good. Outside of that, uh, as far as comic news goes, or just uh, news that I thought I should bring up, there was a couple things from Gallifrey One that I wanted to bring up. One is that, for those people that have listened to the Radio Free Scarrow uh, episodes, you already know this, but if you don't listen to podcasts, um, it'd be kind of strange if you didn't, because you wouldn't be listening to this. Anyway, uh, Dan Slott, they interviewed uh, Dan Slott, Warren Fry talked to him, and he mentioned that they already have kind of the lineup for the next two specials that he's going to be doing for Titan Comics. Uh, we still have the one this year with the 14th Doctor, or excuse me, the 10th Doctor and Martha. Um, but next year, the 2024 special is going to have a 20-page 11th Doctor and Clara story, along with a 20-page 12th Doctor and Clara story. So we kind of get two back-to-back, and I'm sure uh, Clara is going to kind of be the, the linchpin between these two stories. And... Uh, there's also going to be a couple of short stories in there as well. One featuring the 13th Doctor in Yaz and another with the new 15th Doctor in Ruby. Uh, he didn't say anything about who the artists are going to be, but I'm sure they'll get some stellar ones. 
because uh, it's Dan Slott, it's a Doctor Who special, and right now it's about the only new Doctor Who comic coming from Titan Comics that we have is Dan Slott's books. So, you know, I'm sure they're going to get some uh, really good people lined up for that. I also want to mention that uh, Radio Free Scarrow was the ones to break the news that, according to Rob Ritchie, who has done tons of work on the animated Doctor Who uh, episodes that I know I enjoy getting when they come out on uh, Blu-ray or DVD, he has uh, confirmed that the animations are going to be continuing on um, with the same team that worked on Evil of the Daleks, but he uh, himself, Rob Ritchie, is not involved. Uh, I think it's just uh, good news that we're going to get more animations. It sounds like uh, the BBC are invested in getting animations done of the missing episodes of classic Doctor Who, and uh, I'm really looking forward to those, and I'm assuming that you are as well. Anyway, um, that's pretty much it for uh, comic news for Doctor Who. And let's get into a couple reviews. All right, it is time to open the Pandorica on the new uh, part of Liberation of the Daleks, which is in Doctor Who Magazine number 588. This is Liberation of the Daleks part 5, and it is, of course, done by the creative team of Alan Barnes writing the story, Lee Sullivan doing the art, uh, James O'Freddy doing the colors, Roger Langridge doing the lettering, Marcus Hearn is the editor, and the Daleks, of course, created by Terry Nation. The last part of this story, part four, we ended up with uh, the Doctor being in the uh, the Dalek dome, and uh, we were kind of wondering what this dome is. Um, this strip starts out going back to the days of old of King Arthur, and apparently King Arthur's kingdom is being invaded by Daleks. Um, and we end up having the knights riding dragons and fighting the Daleks. And we find out this is actually one of the zones in this, uh, Dalek amusement park. And, uh, Georgette is asking the doctor what, uh, he thinks of this. And he's like, you know, I give this zero thumbs up out of, and zero stars, you know, uh, he thinks that having a pleasure dome, based on uh, a race that was out to destroy the entire universe is not a good idea. But then he also gets introduced to uh, the chief, who is a humanoid lion, and uh, the doctor makes a, a couple puns or jokes about uh, the lion and is wondering why the people are kind of cross-species body modification. And what we find out is that this uh, place used to be an animal park and the staff, uh, in order to keep the, the site going, the staff made themselves the livestock, uh, so they'd still have a job. But um, it still wasn't working, and so they, they, um, the zoo or had, to, had to sell themselves to the military in order to keep, uh, keep going. So it turns out that this place is actually kind of run by the military, and we also find out that Georgette was the one who called the doctor there um, because she uh, had had an issue. Well, the doctor decides, don't care, going to leave. Um, but something else has also come up, and uh, she gets a priority call and by uh, Merlin, who apparently is one of her higher-ups, and he says, it's specimen six sigma, there's something wrong. Um 
So she needs to go take care of that and kind of leaves the doctor to his own devices. But uh, she says, has told him he can't go, he can't leave as much as he wants to because the psychoplasm needs venting first, which of course, being the doctor is going to raise his curiosity. Well, she goes off to try to find out what the problem is with this uh, specimen six sigma and leaves the doctor to try to figure out a way to go vent the psychoplasma because, of course, that's what the doctor does. Um, and he ends up going into this room, and this is the where the cliffhanger is for this strip. Um, what he finds there is kind of, the I think, the next big part of this story. So, once again, um, as far as the story goes, I think the story moves along at another rapid pace. Um, quite a bit happens in this. Although, th to me, this almost feels like it was a little bit too rushed to go through. Um, I think I would have liked a little bit more than just a page or two to explain um, why this place exists and what is going on here. Um, that part seemed a little bit too rushed for me. They, I would have se liked to seen another page explaining that and maybe this little cliffhanger part, which is all kind of in the span of two pages, cut down to one page. But that's just me. Um, as far as the artwork goes, once again, Lee Sullivan does an excellent job of portraying the Daleks. Um, the, the Dalek dome, I think, is interesting, especially if you go back to the last part of the story, part four, and then to this part five, and just look at the, the Dalek dome in its entirety and see how it looks. Um, it looks like a giant Dalek head that's been divided into different areas, which is interesting to me. It almost feels like kind of a throwback to the 60s uh, Doctor Who comic strips where you would, uh, or, you know, the 70s maybe, where you would have something looking like a Dalek head that is an actual big dome. Uh, it even has the eye stalk on it, and I thought it was interesting. It's a neat take. Um, but... Lee Sullivan's artwork never fails to disappoint. Um, this part I didn't care for as much as some of the other parts of the story, but once again, it, it moves the story forward in the in a short span, and I enjoyed it. It is what it is. It's uh, moving the story along, and uh, it was pretty good. So there you have it. Doctor Who, Liberation of the Daleks, Part 5. Exterminate! It is time to go into the Matrix to take a look at a classic Doctor Who comic strip. And this time I'm going back into the uh, classic Dalek strips that I've been going through little by little. And we're going to take a look at the Pentaray Factor. This is one of the classic Dalek strips that was in TV, Nation, or TV Century 21, uh, issues 25 through 32 back in July and August of uh, 1965. Although if you look at the strip... And read it for yourself. It is dated 2065, so it hasn't happened yet. Uh, anyway, this was written by David Whitaker and Terry Nation with art by Richard Jennings. Although there's a couple parts of the strip where the artwork kind of changes a bit. And uh, so we're, there's uh, people are supposing, um, or at least Paul Schoons, the author of the comic strip companion, is assuming that there was a substitute artist filling in for Richard Jennings on a couple of these parts to give him uh, a break or a little vacation. I'm going to give you a plot synopsis of this. This is coming from Paul Schoon's friend of the show's excellent book, The Comic Strip Companion, The Unofficial and Unauthorized Guide to Doctor Who and Comics, 1964-1979. to 
In the city of Bulos on Centaurus, the prophet Lure warns King Redlin of the Daleks' impending arrival. Redlin refuses to believe that the Daleks pose a threat. The saucer fleet lands on Centaurus. Lure cautions his daughter Merva about the Daleks. Lure's cousin Geltus regards the Daleks as potential allies. Redlin welcomes the Daleks, who claim to have come in peace, but the Emperor Dalek secretly plots an attack. The Emperor learns that Solturus has a weapon called the Pentaray that is capable of destroying the Daleks. The Daleks construct a dummy version of the Pentaray to exchange for the real weapon. Lure realizes that the Daleks intend to steal the Pentaray and sends Merva to warn Redland's son, Prince Jareth. They discover that the Daleks have already stolen the weapon. Redlin realizes that the unique Pentaray firing key has also been stolen. The Daleks examine the Pentaray, but are, but are unable to reproduce the key. Geltus has stolen the key and offers it to the Daleks. Geltus bargains with the Daleks, arranging to hand over the key in return for being made ruler of Salturus. Lure learns of this betrayal in a prophetic vision, but is killed by Geltus. Having realized that Geltus is the traitor, Redlin dispatches Jareth to intercept him. The Emperor's fleet departs, leaving two Dalek saucers to conquer Salturus. Geltus meets with the two Daleks and destroys them with the Pentaray. Having gained possession of the weapon, he plans to destroy the city. The Daleks commence their attack on Bulos, but Jareth kills Geltus and turns the Pentaray on the invaders. This defeat is witnessed by the Emperor in space as he receives an urgent message from Scarrow requesting his immediate return. So there you go. That's the basic plot of it. Um, this is a, a classic strip from the 1960s, so just like any other strips from then, there's not a lot of real substance to the story. It was, you know, geared for kids. So it kind of, it, it is what it is. I thought it was an okay story. Um... As you're reading it, it kind of, to me, it was kind of jumpy. It kind of jumps from one to another to another, but you're also dealing with just a one-page strip per week. So there's not a lot of space to to uh, flesh the story out very much. Um, you don't get a lot of character development as far as the people of Solturus. Um, you basically just get the Daleks kind of showing up and wanting to conquer this, this world by pretending that they're friendly and then just wanting to take it over. Um, I thought the Pentaray was kind of an interesting uh, gimmick as to what it was and how it could uh, defeat the Daleks because it fires an assortment of different kind of rays. And uh, my first thought was, well, why don't the Daleks just invade and destroy the weapon? Because um, I don't think, it, granted, it's something that can destroy the Daleks, but if they have a whole army to take over the planet... One one weapon is not going to stop them from from conquering this world, so I didn't think it was uh, you know all that much of a of a task for the Daleks to do that. Instead of coming up with this idea of we'll make a, a fake uh, copy of the Pentaray and we'll figure out a way to swap it out, seemed kind of silly to me. But then again, like I said, it's a classic sixty strip, so it's going to be kind of silly. Um, I thought the artwork was pretty good. Richard Jennings is not one of my all-time favorite artists, um, but and but there's some of his strips seem to be a lot uh, 
better or brighter or more vibrant or I like the layouts better than others. This one just didn't, it seemed like kind of a rush job to me as far as like his art style. It wasn't all that special. Um, but it's still, you know, for, for 60s artwork, it still was really good. Um, the story was kind of lackluster. It was okay. Um, so it's, it, like I said from the from the beginning, it is what it is. Um, it's not the the best Dalek strip that from the from the that era, but it's definitely not the worst. Now that part five of Liberation of the Daleks came out, I took the time to uh, go back through and reread parts one through four, leading into part five, just because I kind of felt like this is kind of a quarter of the way through the story, and I wanted to see how. I felt about the story as a whole for what it was um, at this point. And as I was reading the story and realizing that, as we all know, this Liberation of the Dalek story is taking place in an hour of the, the 14th Doctor's time, to me it seems really rushed. And I know I've, I've said in the past where I, as far as Doctor Who comic stories go, I prefer or I really like like simple two-part stories, ones that I can read parts one and two together back-to-back and get a nice story out of it. Um, But usually most of those two-part stories that that I've read or that have come out are ones that are in full comic books. So it's a 40-page story or a 44-page story as opposed to you know, a if they did a two-part story in Doctor Who magazine right now, it'd only be a twelve-page story, which it's awfully hard to tell a a decent story in the span of twelve pages. Which then led me kind of to thinking that, you know, this story that we're getting of of the Doctor, uh, the Fourteenth Doctor, his adventure, it's going to basically be a seventy-two-page uh, story that is all compacted into the span of an hour. And I think, to me, upon first hearing about this idea, I thought this would be really neat because it's a fast-paced, bam, bam, bam story going from one point to another to another to another as it all goes through. And maybe by the time this story gets played out and it gets collected into... uh, um, a magazine or a trade paperback or you know collected edition of some sort maybe reading it all together it will read really well as a full story but um to me right now it seems like it's really rushed and there's an awful lot in there to the point where um as i was reading the first four parts it felt like things were kind of getting glossed over and in there are spots where it felt like there should be more there or they could have expanded on things or did a little bit more character development there. They're just kind of hitting the high spots. And um, I feel kind of disappointed by that, I guess. Um, I know that in this kind of a story, is, is the story's flying by really fast. That's about all you have the ability to do. And I commend Alan Barnes and Lee Sullivan for... for being up to the challenge of this and telling a decent story. However, I think that if this would have been um, a story that had a little more room to breathe, much like uh, on the, uh, on TV with Flux, 
if it, the story would have a few more parts or if the story was a little bit longer or if it was taking place in the span of, you know, a couple, two to four hours as opposed to one hour trying to get everything crammed into 60 minutes, I think we it'd be a bit more of an enjoyable experience. I don't know how those of you out there feel about that. I would love to hear some feedback. If you want to send me an email at doctorwhopanel2panel at gmail.com or comment on my Facebook page about this, I'd like to hear your opinion on things. Uh, how do you feel the, the this first uh, third of Liberation of the Daleks is going? Uh, do you think it's, it is really good? You really enjoy it? Do you feel like it needs more room to breathe? Do you feel like you're not getting enough substance in this story? Um, I would love to hear some feedback from you. Um, I think this, you know, if you, this would be a review of the first quarter of this story or first third of this story. I think it's kind of serving the purpose of what it's doing. It's telling us a decent story, but it feels like there's a lot of substance that's lacking. It's, you know, it, like I said, it's, it's hitting the high points of the story. Um, it's hitting the, the, the story peaks but we're not getting into those valleys and getting the the development and um, extra stuff that is part of what I like about Doctor Who stories. So please do me a favor, send me some feedback. You can even uh, send me a tweet at Doctor Who P two P two being the number two. Um, so reach me that way. Send me an email Doctor Who Panel to Panel at gmail .com. Comment on my Facebook page at Doctor Who Panel to Panel and let me know what you think. And this brings to the close another episode of Dr. Who Panel to Panel. I hope you enjoyed listening to me blather on about uh, the most recent Dr. Who comic strip and uh, kind of give you my thoughts and opinions on things, as well as taking a look back at a classic Dalek strip. It was kind of Dalek-centric this time around. Um, another episode will be out in a couple weeks, and hopefully I'll have a big surprise for you if all goes according to plan. Um, but until next time, I hope everything is well. If you are new to Dr. Who Panel to Panel, I encourage you to check out past episodes. You can find the most recent ones on your uh, podcast feed, wherever you downloaded this, whether it be iTunes or somewhere else. And if you're looking for older episodes that are not on your podcast feed, if you go to archive.org and do a search for Dr. Who Panel to Panel, or my name, Jeremy B. Ment, like cement but with a B., you can find all the episodes from episode 2 on to the present for easy download as mp3 files. So, thank you very much for listening, and until next time, this is Jeremy Bement saying bye. Doctor Who Panel to Panel, the podcast about Doctor Who comics, thanks you for downloading this episode. Let us know what you thought about this episode or of Doctor Who comics in general. You can find us socially on Facebook at Doctor Who Panel to Panel, on Twitter at Doctor Who P2P, 2 being the number 2, and online at DoctorWhoComics.com. Download previous episodes via your favorite podcast service and find the complete catalog of episodes featuring amazing interviews with creators past and present at archive.org. Just search for Doctor Who Panel to Panel. Thank you.